as we begin our focus on having an attitude of gratitude and our being truly thankful, watch and listen to this. Lord, cure us of our addiction, waiting for the next season of life, waiting for the next number on the scale, waiting for the next dream, the next house, the next step up, addicted, always thinking we're in a waiting room, counting down the days until we enter real life. And real life is happening right now. And you are the one waiting for us to give you thanks. Interesting thought, isn't it? That we look ahead so much more to the next thing that we're going to acquire or receive than we look back with a grateful spirit being thankful for what we already have. And as the person in the video put it, that places God in an unusual situation in a place of actually waiting for our thanks. Being thankful before God is something the Bible tells us over and over again we're to do. But here's the funny thing about that and other things in the Bible. True, the Bible often tells us the things that we're to do, but it doesn't always tell us exactly how it is that we're to do them. Have you ever noticed that? For instance, the Bible says we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet the Bible doesn't give us any indication of how to do that. The Bible tells us that we're to love our enemies, but the Bible also doesn't tell us exactly how to do that. And then there's, we're to walk in the Spirit. The Bible doesn't give us any kind of succinct, shortcut answer on how to do that. And you know why? Because if the Bible did, what would we do? Whenever we have a problem, we'd just look up that problem, we'd get the corresponding answer, we'd close the Bible, and then we'd say, now I have that down. But the reason God didn't give us simple one, two, three answers to everything in our lives is because God wanted us to know him. Not just to settle our problems and give us cliff note answers to all the things we need to know in life. It's like the old Jimmy Soul tune from 1963, which said, some of you may remember this, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife. But from my personal point of view, get a slightly less pretty girl to marry you. Remember that song? I slightly edited it, but you get the point. Because a slightly less pretty girl could make you just as unhappy as a pretty girl. And a pretty girl could make you just as happy as a slightly less pretty girl. It's not about any rule related to being pretty or slightly less pretty. It's actually about the relationship. And as silly as that illustration is, it's exactly the same way with God. It's not about his rules or how to do things. It's about your relationship with him. God wants you to know him. God wants you to know who he is. God wants you to know what he thinks and what are his ways. God wants you to know how he operates. And you can't learn those things with one, two, three instructions. So as a result, the answers in our getting to know God are found in the lives of people in the Bible who in their own way, in their own situation, were also getting to know him. And some of those people in situations show us the very best ways to relate to God. And sometimes those people in situations show us, as we've used the adjectives this morning, they show us slightly less, slightly less than the best ways to relate to God. In one place we see a slightly less, honestly, it's a much less than best approach of offering thanksgiving which is our focus today, comes from the people of Israel as they were delivered by 
God from Egypt. They prayed to be delivered, and God answered that prayer, and he delivered them. And they prayed and prayed for something to eat, and God answered that prayer. He gave them manna each day. And then God brought them to the very edge of the promised land and was about to guide them in it. And this is what they said in Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2 in the Living Bible. Concerning the Israelites, then the whole community began weeping aloud. Their voices rose in great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even out here in the wilderness, they complained. Let me ask you this. Have you ever prayed really hard to God for him to give you something that at one time you were so amazed by, you were so excited about, which now, however, you may gripe and grumble just a little bit about? Anything like that ever occur in your life? Moms, remember that child who would push your grumpy, grouchy button anytime they wanted like nobody else can? And remember maybe how you might have prayed to actually have that child and how very sweet the child was when they were first born. And some of us guys who complain about our jobs, like all the work and all the responsibility that goes along with it. Have you forgotten that you probably prayed for that job and for that promotion? And these old Israelites, man, they were no longer excited about manna, having to eat it every day. And for some reason, they were no longer excited about being free in the desert instead of there being slaves in Egypt. This is kind of crazy. Because remember, these were the same people who saw God part the Red Sea. Same people who saw God give them water out of a rock. Same people who saw God lead them to the very edge of the promised land, a place filled with milk and honey, as they used to describe the best of the best. And what are they doing now? They're complaining big time. Why? Because frankly, that's the natural inclination of the human flesh. If not disciplined, if not controlled by the Holy Spirit, we have this tendency to drift, to drift towards the negative. In other words, you don't have to make an effort to complain, do you? But you do have to make an effort to be thankful. Look with me again at Numbers 14, verses 1 and 2 in the Living Bible. And this again concerning the Israelites. They're sitting right on the edge of the promised land. And the whole community began weeping out loud. Their voices arose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. But look at verse 5, what it says. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. You see, Moses and Aaron here are saying, we've got to get down and we've got to pray. We've got to close the scary door that these people have opened through their grumbling, through their fault finding, through their complaining. But here's the deal. Complaining is sin. And complaining opens a scary door for the devil to come into our lives. And not only that, but when we complain, we keep that scary door open for him to remain. So here the Israelites are trying to get into the promised land, and all they can do here is complain. And so they remain where they are out in the desert, outside the promised land, and all their complaining led to the remaining 40 years out wandering in the desert outside the promised land. And God responds to Moses and Aaron concerning this a little later in Numbers 14th chapter, verses 28 and 29, the New Living Translation, where God says, Now tell them, the Israelites, that as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. In other words, God's referring to the Israelites saying, If only we died in Egypt or out here in the desert. And God's saying, Okay, your wish is my command. 
Go ahead and die out here in the desert. No sense in dragging you back to Egypt for that. And so thus, all the adults that were alive then, except for Joshua and Caleb, did just that. They died in the desert before Joshua and Caleb could lead the children of these complainers back into the promised land some 40 years later. You see, complaining opens the door wide open for the devil to come into our lives in deceptive and in subtle and deadly and destructive ways. That's what's going on here with the Israelites. But here's the thing. There are actually three parallel tracks when it comes to our being thankful, and they look like this. First track is thankful and unthankful. And under unthankful is complaining, and under complaining is the negative track. And the opposite end of that negative track is positive. The opposite end of the complaining track is praise. And so you see there in the left column that positive praise is thankful. And you see on the other column that negative complaining is unthankful. Thus, God wants us to be positive and thankful and express those in a praiseful heart and a praiseful attitude. Doesn't mean you can't tell people when you're hurting, but when you're going through a tough time. We definitely need to talk about those things when we are in them. But then, after a time, we also need to let go of them and turn them over to God. You know, King David was so very good at that, telling God exactly how he felt. And he didn't spend great amounts of time telling others how he felt. And we don't need to spend a lot of time having people agree with us and support us in our complaints and in our continuing over and over again to complain. Interestingly, in the Bible, we see the word thanks appear 116 times and 73 of those times says to give thanks. It's not simply good enough to say or think, hey, I'm a thankful person. But the proof is in how often you open your heart. How often you open your mind, you open your spirit to actually express thanksgiving in your feelings, in your thoughts, and in your words. The Bible essentially says be thankful and be sure to give expression to it. We need to be much more expressive of even thanks for the tiny things that we have each day in our life, not unlike this. It's an annual tradition. What are you most thankful for this year? What if we remembered what we can't imagine not having? What if we said thank you for what we'd miss the most? What if we celebrated the God who loves us and gives us the gifts we take for granted, the ones we'd be lost without? perspective in that video on the dining room table, which is all set for Thanksgiving, but it's filled with things we are more thankful for all year round than that traditional one day of turkey and dressing we have there. For that table is set with servings of tennis shoes, toilet tissue, toothbrushes and toothpaste, servings of shampoo, servings of medication and dish and hand soap. All things we'd be sorely missed if we had to live without them. All things that few of us have expressed any thanks for at all this year. And that's such a marked contrast to these folks who just last Sunday received, you know, an ounce or two of body wash or a bar of soap or a sample size shampoo last Sunday. 
Our homeless friends in Fern Park, who let me tell you are some of the most thankful people I have ever met. They express their thanks so often. Whether it's receiving a shirt, a $3 fleece blanket, a $5 gift card from McDonald's. They are so very thankful. That's how we're supposed to be with all the blessings in our lives where there is nothing too small for us to be thankful for. Be thankful not only to God, which is important, but also be thankful to others around us. My wife, Patty, is so very gracious in doing so many little things for me and our life together. And I try not to take those little things for granted, but to thank her for them. Giving thanks to others really helps build relationships. I know some of us feel like we may have some real relational problems at times with those around us. But if we start being a little bit more thankful with others in those relationships, we could actually turn some things around. Instead of finding everything you don't like in a relationship, start finding something you do like. And then make a a big deal out of it with that other person. Because what you focus on is something which grows. Uh, It's like you say you get a new car. And after you get it and you start driving around, you're astonished at how many other people out there made the same smart choice you did and are driving around in the same kind of car. If you focus on the positive, the positive grows bigger and bigger. If you focus on the negative, then the negative gets bigger and bigger. Look with me at Philippians 2.5 in the Amplified Version, which says, Have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Because humility is the foundation of a good relationship. The only reason we complain is because we think we deserve better treatment than we're getting. And we think of all the people in the planet, we're the last ones should have to put up with this inconvenience. And we forget all the time what we really deserve, to put it bluntly, is to die And to spend a warm time forever in Hades, if you know what I mean. And we say that place is really burning hot and forever is a really, really long time. And so I'm very thankful that Jesus Christ humbly purchased my way out. And so humility is important as the foundation of every good attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving in our lives. Andrew Murray in his book titled Humility says, Humility It's the hardest of all virtues to come by because pride is crammed into every fiber of our flesh. And thus we want a good attitude because we believe that it glorifies God. Yet if I complain, it opens the door for the devil every time. If only there was some easy way to deal with all this stuff like Cliff Notes to Thanksgiving 101. But let me say, this is probably as close to that as you'll ever come. It's the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19, the Amplified Version. It says this, In every situation, no matter what circumstances, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know, when it comes to the will of God, so many of us wonder, what is the will of God for my life? But before trying to figure out what God's specific will is for myself, like whom I'm supposed to marry, what kind of job am I to have, where am I to live... Before all that, we need to work with the Holy Spirit to learn to fulfill the general will of God. Great place to start is learning to be thankful because we can certainly develop an attitude of gratitude. And as I personally and myself working to become more and more thankful, I can't tell you how many times a day I do say to God, thank you. 
I don't even know the entirety of everything that I'm thanking him for. I just say, thank you, God. I mean, I get up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom, honestly thinking, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Driving in my car. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. So what do we honestly have and what are we honestly without the grace of God? What do we have except for God's goodness in our lives? We need to celebrate that goodness. In fact, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to start having a thank you party every day. You know, they had those kinds of parties all the time in the Bible. Every time they had a victory, what happened? God commanded them to a feast and a celebration. They would fight, have a victory, and they'd spend a significant amount of time, a few days, a few weeks, just having a big party, just thanking God for the victory. And in doing that, they just didn't take the goodness of God and afterwards forget about it and then move on to the next thing. No, they took a long time to thank God, and they'd thank God by celebrating and sending gifts also to the poor. Now, when Esther and the Bible and the Jewish people had such a victory over the wicked Haman who wanted to kill them, when they saw the deliverance of God, God wanted them to have a festival at that very same time each year to remember all that God had done for them. And they were also commanded by God to send portions of what they had to the poor and the needy. And one of the ways we celebrate Thanksgiving in our lives is through our giving to others who have less than we have. And if we're not willing to give, the question has been raised, are we really thankful? We need to celebrate victories God gives us too. Thank God in everything and remember what God has done. Recall, recount, remember the good things God's done in your life. Remember the Red Seas that he's parted for you. Remember the manna he's provided you. Remember the water he's brought you out of rocks. Remember the stones he's rolled out of your way. Remember the times of new life he's resurrected you again and again and again. It's vital to take time to remember those things and talk about those things. Again, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18 and 19, the Amplified, in every situation, no matter the circumstances, be thankful. Continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. But look with me at that very next verse. This is verse 19. Do not quench, subdue, or be unresponsive to the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. What's it telling us? Well, when I complain, I stop, I quench, I hinder, I subdue the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And when I complain, I'm shutting the door on God. And I'm shutting the door in the Holy Spirit's face. But if I pray for God to help me in my situation, I'm praying for God to open the door wide open for the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And this is the truth that's what's underneath and what's behind our positive and our negative attitudes. And what's behind our attitudes of gratitude and ingratitude is about opening the door to God or shutting the door to God. And when we shut it, it opens the door wide open to the evil one automatically every time. But God says... Keep the door shut on the devil and keep him trampled on under your foot. Now, in saying this, please understand it's not easy. It's not automatic. There are going to be things to happen to you which seem so unfair and so not right, which may take much longer to settle than you think they should. Yet God says in Romans 8.28 in the New Living Translation, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, we are always faced with a choice to either be positive or negative. And you need to keep saying, God, I don't know how this is going to work out for my good, but I trust you and I'm going to stand firm in that. 
Thus, the thankful or the unthankful attitude is a choice that's always yours. So say to God, I'm going to thank you in advance for what you're going to do. You see what that does? It opens wide that door for God to work in your life. The Apostle Paul in the Bible was a great example of this, as was Daniel. For instance, Daniel in the Old Testament, he was told not to pray to God or he'd be put in the lion's den. And so what did he do? He continued as was his habit. He went to his upper chambers. He opened the window. He bowed down and he prayed. He gave God thanks three times a day. As a direct result, he was sent to the lion's den. Now, I'm sure on the front end of that threat, either not to pray or die, Daniel was probably not thinking, this new circumstance is going to turn out to be a really good thing in my life. Yet when he came out of the lion's den, after being placed there left overnight and being completely unscathed, it was a completely unbelievable good thing for him and for all those that witnessed it. What would happen to us if we were to set aside three times a day to thank God for just a couple of minutes? I just even one minute, three times a day. And those times you could bow down, whatever that means for you, you could bow down physically as Daniel did, or just bow down inside in your spirit and say, God, I just want to thank you for helping me. I believe to God that you can handle all things and that us together can handle all things, even the tough things that are going to happen to me today when you're by my side. And so do that in the morning for the first time before leaving home. And then maybe around noon or early afternoon, do this again and and say, thank you, God, for getting me through this morning and all that's upcoming. And then you go over the upcoming things that are going to take place in the afternoon. And then you do that in the evening. You thank God for everything in your life, maybe every little thing in your life. That seems like too much. Then thank God for the newest and the freshest two or three big things in your life. And refresh that really big list in different ways every evening. What would happen to us? For Daniel in doing that, he got promoted and promoted and promoted by three different kings, all of which he outlasted. And I don't think we can even know what God could do for us or what God wants to do for us until we have a godly, thankful attitude. Ruth had a thankful attitude in the Bible. Esther had a thankful um, attitude there as well. And if you think about it, you don't see people hanging around in the Bible who didn't have a godly, thankful attitude for very long. They last maybe a few paragraphs, maybe a page or two, and then what? They disappear. I don't know about you, but I want to be one of the ones who stays in the story. Example of someone who hung around far more than a a few paragraphs in the Bible was King Jehoshaphat. He was faced with overwhelming armies of three kingdoms coming against him, coming against the people of Judah. And he gathered all his people together and he prayed. This is what God told him in 2 Chronicles 20.17 in the NIV. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And the same thing applies to us. You do not have to fight what's tough before you. You do need to take up your position. You do need to show up. But once you do that, stand firm. Some versions say stand still. In other words, show up and then stand firm. Still and stand firm. Don't be afraid. Don't get discouraged. Because you do that, what happens? Again, you're opening the door for the devil. And that is certainly what God did with 
Jehoshaphat. He kept that door shut. And here's what they did in Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 21, 22, and 24. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. It's that very moment they began to sing. And the Lord caused the armies to start fighting amongst themselves. Not a single one of the enemy escaped. So what was Jehoshaphat's and his people, what were they armed with? They were simply armed with thanksgiving, which caused the three armies to start fighting amongst themselves. Not a single one of them survived. They all killed each other. You see, the fight was over before it began. That's the power of thanksgiving. It's a whole lot more than warm fuzzies. It's so much more than a day of turkey and football. Thanksgiving is a key to life that God is waiting for you and I to have each day. It's a core part of who we are and how we live our lives. And so what are we waiting for? And why should we keep God waiting? And you are the one waiting for us to give you thanks. Wake us up out of our waiting room addiction. I'm 25 days thankful for our baby's laughter. I'm 15 days thankful that who I am is enough. And cure us with thanksgiving. I'm three months thankful for where I'm living right now. I'm 45 days thankful for my life now. I'm three weeks thankful that I have a job to provide for my family. I'm one day thankful for the gift of now. Indeed, as the last words on the screen say, in everything give thanks. So my question to you is this. Why don't you start growing in that? Each day start becoming more and more aware of things and of ways that you can be thankful. And each day start expressing that thanks to God more and more times during the day. That's the power of thanksgiving. And let me say, this is a great week to begin growing and growing and growing in its everyday power in your life. Pray with me. God, we just thank you so much for your love for us. Help us, Father, to be conduits of that love for others in a way that makes every difference. Help us, Father, to give thanks to others around us as well. And help us... Not just to be giving thanks, but to giving of our hearts and our lives and our resources and our time and our interest to those around us as well, dear God. And so I ask that we all would receive this challenge today to become more and more thankful. That we become more aware of the things and of the ways that we can be thankful. And we do that more often throughout our days. So, Father, be with us as we head into this holiday season. We know for many, it's a really, really tough time of year. Uh, Many of us are not connected with our loved ones. Perhaps some of us have lost loved ones in this last year, and this will be the first time that we'll have it without them. But we know, Father, that you were there, and we know that your spirit really is what's behind this season, that we do see people being kinder to one another. We do see people looking out for others more, and help us to do that, Father. And not only in our activities that we do together, But help us to do that in our everyday lives with every person we see. And so we thank you in advance for all of this season, all of your blessings in our life. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to share your blessings with others. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.